I just want to let the note finish. Oh man, it goes. It goes, it goes welcome, welcome, welcome to listen to that. Sustain. Let the music be your master. Um, absolutely thrilled to be back in the in the basement uh, with my with my colleagues here. Uh, my name is Jason Johnson, and I'm thrilled to have with me Jordan Harmon, Brandon Arnold, Steve Ricks, and uh, we got the band back together recording another episode this morning uh i'm excited to get into it a little bit first of all how's everybody doing so good so good after that burrito oh man post with the uh, with some paper Brought i, I ate some of the wrapper pa- the paper wrapper uh it happens it, it, kinda, it happens it's kind of soaked it, into the you know plate those, uh, there's that dissolved that tiktok trend of that guy that's like i was in my 40s when i found out and then he's always like so frustrated because he found out something so obvious. Um, Brandon evidently was in his 40s when he found out that you're not supposed to eat the wrapper on, on the burrito. that your burrito comes in. Well, he was really going at it with that burrito. There was a, there was a lust there was, there in was his a, eyes. Some, te- some tension. And some eating t- the paper was you know just one of the yes. things that happened in that process. Lust was certainly a theme in the, pre, the pre-pod uh, discussion okay, in a way. Okay, moving on. Anyway, burritos. Uh, yeah, uh, anyway, shout out to our sponsor this morning, uh, Burritos. Um, <laughs> brought to you by Burritos. So it's been a minute since we've been together. I think our last um, our last pod was a double. We recorded the uh, the Grateful Dead or no, yeah, the Grateful Dead episode, um, and then immediately followed that up by recording the Low episode. And uh, feels kind of like there's a, a little bit of a theme that I want to that I want to continue with today. Before we get into that, though, Steve, do you feel like telling us something good? Oh man, I would love to. Cue the music. No, we okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Brand- we're looking at Brandon. Me. Okay. <laughs> oh, he had it. He had it ready. We've loaded. Forgot, we've all forgotten how podcasts work. <laughs> yeah. He had it loaded. <laughs> he was he was ready. Well, guys, I've got I've got a couple things that are right at the top contending, but I'll just go with the top one, and then we'll see if you want me to tell you the other one. I could too, but my top one is. Idols, British band Idols. They're kind of they're kind of new to me. I had a, a you know I I think maybe some list Jason that you sent around a year or so ago, or maybe someone else here in the podcast included you know one of their releases, their latest release. But anyway, we it, through playing Music League, I think my friend Jeff Stone put on an Idols track from their latest album, the latest album called Crawler from 2022 and i've just been obsessed with that album for the last few months uh or at least a couple months and uh so i'd love to play just excerpts of a couple tracks from that album crawler my two the two that are my favorite so far so the first first one is when the lights come on if you want to just cue that one up i'd love to hear it at least through the second verse it's only like a three minute song but at least the first minute plus you got it steve hey thanks there
All right, let's. Uh, we got to hear. We got to hear a little more of this one. Here we go. Yeah, I love I love that one. It's did he say I want to fight your cousin? Yes, I love it's I love a, the lyrics. Something we can all relate. Interesting to. lyrics. Yeah. I, I, I love the lyrics. I love I love this song in particular the way the lyrics kind of wrap around and there's there's really no chorus. The only chorus is that little guitar sound. The lyrics just keep flowing. You know each each verse. Um, but I, I don't know. I love that track. Kind of has a dark. It kind of reminds me of Bauhaus. Some Bauhaus tracks, just with the sounds of the guitars and the kind of dark, heavy reverb, atmospheric thing. But but a lot of their tunes a little, are more a little bit upbeat. Of Interpol. Yeah, yeah, right. But, but a lot of their tunes are a little more upbeat, driving, kind of punk, post-punk yeah. inspired kind of stuff. I think he uses his voice similar to the singer from the Clash. Like when you say you, I, I don't know. I hear that a little bit. Yeah. Um, like it's a, so you've had these guys on rotation thing. then since you uh, since you kind of leaned into it, right? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I've been I've been going back and you know just listening to their older albums and their their, you know, but the uh, my favorite is still just this most recent album. I love it. Um, well, I'd love to hear a bit of crawl. Is that all right? Yeah. Or no, go ahead. But more discussion. Well, so, uh, Let so, it go. I was so, gonna say, I what I like about it is that, you know. God forbid something were to happen to their bassist, but <laughs> if so, <laughs> I could fill in for him in like, a heartbeat. I can well, play that bass uh, It's like the, the, com- already... the complexity of a U2 bass line. Yeah. I was like, is Adam Clayton on bass? <laughs> Ooh. I do like that. I, it, I'm, uh, I wonder if it was a drop D song, because during the chorus, that bass went pretty low. Hmm. That's satisfying. I don't know. I Counter- like, Counterpoint, like Steve? That drop D on the bass. I, uh, <laughs> I I can neither confirm nor deny the drop D. I, I gotta I gotta get to the piano. So or go ahead and figure fire it out. the second one. Because yeah, apparently let's, let's play some crawl. Steve interpreted it's, something good as something's good. This is gonna grab you by the throat and won't let go. Get ready. You're gonna want to be in a bar brawl or a pub brawl. I should say. Come on, let's go.
That ends there, Steve. <laughs> what? what are you? All right. This is a family oh, that podcast. Was, that was the best This is part. a family podcast. I'm all what right. are you doing? Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> I mean, how genius is that? I'm feeling magna effing feek. Magnifique. But pretty, inserts the F word in between. Pretty, pretty that, great. Is that amazing or what? Wow. Talk Swearing about, in the middle of French. Yeah, talk about <laughs> talk about uh, just a literary, uh, literary pardon, device pardon my master. Interruption of this French word. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Sorry. Apologies, That's, families. Uh-oh. I I try not I I try not to use profanity in my in my life or my practice, but sometimes the music it calls for it. I don't know. I you didn't hear me say that. That was Jason. Jason, come on. <laughs> so knowing no. Steve and Steve's got his regiment. I think we all do. Maybe to some degree of. Things that get him get him energized. Sometimes substances, nothing illegal, but there's, there's certain uh, did they, did beverages. They cocaine in Utah. There's certain beverages. Uh, highball. Uh, highball, man. Highball's the amped. choice, right? Yeah, but, uh, usually. But this music is like the highball of music. Like I realized that, yeah. like for you, Steve, hearing this, like I'm like, yeah, this would get you pumped up. This would get you, and know, I like it. It's it's enjoyable. Um, we it's several uh, over a year ago, probably we did. Uh, a sister episode to what this one's going to end up being today, where there was prompts, and I, one of the prompts was a, a song that makes you feel like tough or tougher. Mm-hmm. And there was some debate about that whether that we even want to feel that way. But I think Steve found his a uh, this is one found his yeah. stuff. Steve's ready yeah. to fight, and I frankly I'm this ready is... to join you. Let's go, yeah, let's man. go, LFG, yes. dude. I'm right next to you. <laughs> Brandon used to be part of the the Edgemont First Ward Fight Club that would meet in the primary room over there and we could maybe turn this on and get the boxing gloves on and see what happens i've got boxing gloves okay (laughs) all right (sighs) that's great steve thank you oh you're welcome that was uh that was certainly something good uh all right so here's what i want to talk about today i want to start off with a little bit of discussion the last month has uh we've lost some some luminaries in music and it has caused me to to reflect as is often the case. And so today we're going to lean in a little bit, I think, to music and memory. That's at least my my goal. Um, around the same time, so some of the, the people we've lost just like over the last two years, I made a very short list, but these are people that I think are all... Um, loom large at least in their in their fields we lost uh wayne shorter recently uh we lost uh mimi parker of low we lost jeff beck we lost david crosby we lost uh burt Bacharach, and then the one that i think had the the biggest impact on me was uh was dave uh joliker aka true goy aka true goy the dove of de la soul um somewhat in conjunction with with some of these recent losses are our friend of the pod and uh, previous guest on the pod, uh, Mike Hicks, did a, a kind of a fun little piece with the local one of the local news stations where he invited them into. He's got this. What's it called, Steve? The it's the something room, the blue room, the blue room. 
He's got the blue room in his house where he has all this memorabilia and the cameras came in and uh, the local newscaster interviewed him and uh, talked to him about kind of like music and memory. And he's he is very passionate and made a, a very, very passionate and compelling case for the, the power, sometimes even the the physical and biological effect that uh, the music and memory can have on us. And so it got me thinking and I thought, you know what, um, I'm, I'm already kind of like navigating my own feelings towards the this this loss of of Dave from De La Soul. Let's just lean into this collectively and and kind of continue the the discussion. Um everybody all right with that? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's okay. do it. Let's do it. Um all right, so here I'm gonna set up the next part with another story. Uh we're gonna I, I sent around some prompts to uh to the let the music be your master crew here. Uh that would invite them to to lean into memory connected to music. Some of it will involve, I think memory comes up often when we lose somebody, so some of it may involve loss of artists, and then others will just be memory in general. The story I'll use to set up that, that came to mind on this, um, I've already confessed my love for uh, and the influence that the David Letterman show had on me. I've watched it, I think, religiously from the time I was like 10 years old, every night. Sometimes my mom would stay up and watch it with me. Other times I would just stay up and watch it by myself. Letterman was good friends with this musician named Warren Zevon, who was an important musician for people older than me. I came to know him through his regular appearances on Letterman, and Letterman had a real warmth towards him. Letterman was famous for kind of skewering guests. If you didn't, if Letterman didn't think you were up to his par on intelligence, he would kind of let you have it. He was always really good with Zivon and he loved his music. Zivon's an interesting case for an artist um, because he avoided going to doctors for a long time. He had a phobia of them and he ended up contracting lung cancer. And by the time they found it, it was his dentist that told him he needed to go in. By the time he found the lung cancer, they found the lung cancer. It was, it was untreatable. And so Zivon was this healthy looking artist who knew found out that his time was going to be short and he recorded an album uh, that he put out after his his cancer diagnosis. And Letterman had him on as a guest and this vividly sticks with me. It was his final late show appearance and he performed The Mutineer and he performed um, Roland, The Headless Thompson Gunner, these kind of famous Zevon tracks, but they were the tracks that Letterman requested. And Letterman was so emotional. It was a rare thing for Letterman. And he, I remember, still vividly remember, he's interviewing Zivon and he says, Warren, you maybe know something about life and death now that I don't know because it's closer for you. What do you know that I don't know? And Warren Zivon's response was, make sure you enjoy every sandwich. And Letterman got emotional. And I just remember sitting there going like, this is so weird. Um, and this is impacting me, even though I, I don't intimately know Zivon's music. So then I kind of started exploring his music, and he put out this album after his diagnosis, and there was this track on the album called Keep Me In Your Heart. And I'm going to have you play this kind of to set the tone. It, this one will get me. Like I'm going to be wiping away tears, and I don't want this to be a sad or a somber thing, but I think it's inter- an interesting case where you have an artist who is very overtly asking not to be forgotten, asking to be remembered. And that's so interesting to me because 
you know, we're going to explore memory and the impact that, that memory and music has on us. But I think Zivon illustrates that artists do have this longing in them when they're putting their art out not to be forgotten as well. So I think in a way they're hoping that what they put out will will create some of the memories that we're going to lean into. So go ahead and play Keep Me In Your Heart. This is his uh, his his message to his family when he knew that he was he was going to be passing on shadows are falling and i'm running out of breath keep me in your heart for a while if i leave you it doesn't mean i love you any less keep me in your heart for a while when you get up in the morning and you see that crazy sun Keep me in your heart for a while There's a train leaving nightly called when all is said and done Keep me in your heart for a while Shine It's a lovely song. It's a, a beautiful, pure sentiment. But there's also, I think, this interesting longing. And like I said, for an artist, he's speaking directly to his family. But I think that is implicit in, in art. And so I'm uh, I'm so excited to hear what you've come up with. I've given you uh, some prompts to to connect um, to connect memory and uh, and experience and. Let's jump right into it. I first, think I think Brandon should go first because I've been no, rambling I think, on. No, I, I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna choose it and I'm gonna do it in a way that'll be easier for my brain. We're gonna go Steve, Brandon, Jordan, <laughs> I like that. Jason. There you go, there you I like go Steve. All um, right, we're gonna start off with uh, the prompt. 
this. Who's an artist that you mourn the loss of in your, that uh, occurred in your lifetime or that has uh, seemed to have a particularly deep impact on you? And what song would you play by him? Oh, geez. I did think about these, but uh, I was thinking... <laughs> I thought I might get hit with another prompt first. Uh, you want me to go to Brandon first? Yes, please. Brandon, oh. you're up. <laughs> Where's the okay. prep, Steve? Come on, man. I know. I, I did have some prep. Let's see. That's a damn shame somebody didn't give you the prompts in advance. Oh, jeez. Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Zing. Uh, someone that I've mourned the loss of during my lifetime. Um, I, I will say mo- most musicians that that have passed have been in the... Um, you know, like someone like David Crosby or or Burt Brockrock, where it's like you hear about it, and you're like, oh, they were still alive. Um, so it it would have to be somebody that um was kind of cut off young, where it that that's the most impactful for me. Like when when Mimi Parker passed, like Low was scheduled to play here in Provo next, I think next week, uh, sometime in March there. They would have been playing here, and they were still putting out albums, and I was still buying them, and so that that one w- was heavy for me. Probably the the closest one like that would be Jeff Buckley. Um, back in was it ninety ninety six ninety seven somewhere around there that that he died, <clears throat> and he'd only he'd only put out one complete album at the time. He had been working on his second. And then since then, they've released a ton of, of live stuff. Um, but that one was like a, a real shame for for me. Like it, it hit me at the time, like, oh, dang, uh, just that one album. Like he had, I was looking forward to so, so much from that. Um, I, have, I have shared uh, Jeff Buckley in the past, so maybe I... Won't do that again. The other other one that I was thinking of was um, this is not someone that that's passed, but uh, um, my dad. He he's a fantastic organist. You guys in in the ward ha, have heard him. So all my life he's he's been playing organ, and that that was a big part of my life all growing up. Um, but then just. Recently, probably the last two years, his, his hearing has gotten so bad that he can't... He can still play. He can move his fingers around, but he he can't tell if he's playing the right notes or not. It doesn't sound right to him anymore. And even if he knows by looking at his hands that he is playing the right notes, it it still sounds something about just the way his hearing works and the what the hearing aids do to the frequencies or something. It just all sounds bad to him, so it's too frustrating, and he just he just doesn't doesn't do it anymore so in that in that way it's it's a a huge loss to me and to a lot of us that enjoyed his music um thankfully i i recorded him him playing a few years ago uh took my microphones into the the church building and and got uh it was a collection of, of christmas tunes most of them i was not familiar with they're not like the traditional Christmas songs that we're aware of. So I'll uh, I'll play this one. It's called Vom Himmelhock. Um it is 
composed by Wilbur Held. Do you know the name Wilbur Held, Steve? No, maybe, I... Maybe only known to the organ community. But uh, here, here we go. This is, this is my dad playing the organ. Last, this last summer, my family took a trip to, to Germany, and every, every city that we were in, we also went to um, Prague and Salzburg, and every city that we were in, I tried to take advantage of, of hearing the organs that are in these, these magnificent cathedrals and churches that are there. Um, sadly, they, it's hard to find a performance sometimes, like so, like Munich, they've got all these cathedrals in there, but I just had to had to go to mass if I wanted to hear the hear the organ get played, and then it's just like the the benediction, just the, at the <laughs> or the postlude or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was you know I, I've got this this kind of yearning to have partly to have this connection with with my dad because I associate it so much with 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 his playing and just hearing this uh, these wonderful huge instruments being played uh so that that was fun any any time we got a chance to to hear the organ in, in those places so there, there's my pick <laughs> wow. what a great pick yeah it's amazing <laughs> thank you brandon yeah, wow it's awesome mine's gonna feel so much lighter than that <laughs> <laughs> thank, right. thank goodness yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great pick though that's awesome you recorded that was that a, yeah. was that you just um, saying to yourself, "This is a thing I got to do at some point," or were you anticipating a? That's following the promptings, I guess. Must have been. It, yeah. yeah, it was just something I wanted to do. I wanted to have have a recording of it. I I didn't know at the time that his his hearing was going. Like he he didn't have any premonition of it at the time that it that the clock was taken or anything like that. So. Wow. I think I had just uh, um, started having access to some of this equipment, and so I thought, hey, this would be a good way to try it out and set up some microphones. I'm glad you did it. That's amazing. Steve, you got one? 
my mind is darting all over the place. I, I think I had I had one that I was thinking of more for the second prompt, but I do have one a more indirect one for the first prompt. So should I should I respond to the first prompt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, th- this is a strange a strange one. When you when you talk about people's deaths impacting me, it really is hard for me to think of like someone I've known personally or who's who's passing when it when it comes to music you know some musician or someone you know who's involved in music has had a huge impact on me um i it the example i'm 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 promised not to ramble too long but i mean it's like with the the list of examples you started the podcast with jason it's interesting i mean it's kind of a mix of uh true goy and mimi parker i mean so tragic because they're younger, you know, because you could have imagined a, a much longer life with continued artistic output with someone like Burt Bacharach or Wayne Shorter. I mean, they seem to have lived a pretty good full life right. and, and, and to an old age and, and were appreciated in their time. And so I don't, I don't necessarily feel, you know, I don't feel the impact other than just, you know, like it's, it triggers that music and memory thing. It triggers a kind of reflection on what they've done. Uh, a musician that had a huge impact on me as a young person was a guy named Grant Wolf. He was a, a, a saxophonist, but mainly a music educator that taught at Mesa Community College. And I had a chance to play in some kind of uh, several, a couple different high school honor jazz bands that he directed and also go to like a, uh, a jazz camp or two in the summer that he directed. And, and he was just this, one of these very, you know, mild mannered, you know, calm dudes, but who loved jazz, loved music and, and loved education, you know, loved to, to sort of bring it to the, the next generation. And man, he had such an impact to me and he, and he passed away quite a while ago at this point, but, um, seemed to be younger than I thought he should have. And I remember feeling like, oh, wow, he's he's gone and just reflecting on the impact he had on me. One of the people, one of the guest artists that we had played with, as happens often, right, when you play in a high school jazz band or a college jazz band, you have these, you know, professional artists that will come and you'll play with, was a trumpet player named Clark Terry, uh, who also passed away not that long ago, several years ago. But he he's, you know, he's up there with, with the greats of like Miles Davis and and others, but just just lesser known. And but but what a what a beautiful person, a magnanimous spirit, and and in in his in the late '80s or mid to late '80s when I was in high school and playing in bands, you know, he was one of these artists that was touring the the U.S. and probably the world, but but especially the U.S. You know, giving concerts, but often you know connecting with college and high school bands and really working with young people. And I just had a chance to play with him a couple different times but um he has a real famous song that's that's pretty funny called mumbles i've heard of him where he 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 basically it's kind of like his version of scat singing i think he kind of takes his appointed departure his own he's kind of like impersonating uh muhammad ali and kind of his his swagger and way of speaking but but maybe poking fun at the fact maybe you don't always understand what he's saying or whatever but so he but he, if you want to look up Clark Terry mumbles, uh, I'm not sure what the best version of it is. There's probably some live versions and, and a studio version too. But any version, you'll kind of he you'll you'll hear him. He'll you'll probably hear his trumpet playing at some point, hopefully. But also just kind of hear him doing this very personalized scat singing, which is kind of funny. <laughs> 
Maybe he'd come in with his trumpet. He's also a great plunger trumpet player, so just he can really make his trumpet speak by using the plunger and some great ways. Oh, here we go. So good. Yeah, so fun. Okay, so I'm up. Thanks, Steve. Um, so I'm I'm going a little bit heavier again, just because I'm I'm taking the prompt seriously. I'm like, hey, what is it? <laughs> Take it however you'd like. Well, you know, I could. I was similar to Brandon and Steve initially. Like, you know, I really at first I was like, man, I guess I don't care when people die. Like, I'm not really affected that much. <laughs> and then it came to me. And I was like, oh yeah. So a few years ago, David Berman passed away by suicide. Jason knows David Berman from the band Silver Jews. So the Silver Jews are a band that, that I never really got into, but I was introduced to them about 15 years ago from the Pandora algorithm, from all my various Bonnie Prince Billy channels that I would set up on Pandora. Silver Jews would always come up because they were label mates at Drag City. And it was good, but I never sought it out. But then 2019 comes around, and there's a new album coming out from David Berman called Purple Mountains, a new band. Instead of Silver Juice, now he's Purple Mountains. And I checked it out, you know, when it came out, and it just immediately, it was like probably my favorite album of that year. I was listening to it all the time. I was looking to see where he's going to tour. I find that he's going to tour to Big Sur, Big Sur with Yola Tango and Kevin Morby, other artists I like. And I'm I'm starting to like plan for this trip. I'm going to go to Northern California. I'm going to see David Berman. About a couple days la- later, after finding out he's going to play there, I find out he's, he's died of suicide. Um, the background of this is also is the people that I work with every day that I treat for in therapy are people who, who deal with chronic, severe suicide ideations. And I've, I've known people very well that have, have uh, ended their life. And... Um, and it's it's hard and it's scary and many more people that have told you know been so close but haven't ended their life and now are living wonderful lives and so happy and so it's a very meaningful thing to be part of people's lives who are so close 
to this kind of intense hopelessness and then help them and see them kind of come out of that. And it doesn't always happen. But so, this that's one of the reasons this album spoke to me is so much of this album is about this guy kind of living in, on the edge of, of this oblivion and, and this void of, you know, he talks pretty, you know, poetically, but also openly about like being close to the end. So when he died, it was it was really hard and it was really sad, and and, um, and I was sad. I wasn't going to go see him live, but I was also working with people who were close to the edge and feeling like, man, if he was still alive, I'd want to show him this album. But he's he's not now. I can't I can't send him this album now. You know, and this is so anyway. Um, it's heavy stuff, but it's it is beautiful music, and it is inspiring to me that people in such pain and suffering and anguish can create art and create beauty and, and poetry. Um, it is very meaningful to me. You know, a few months after this happened, I, I wrote my own songs and put them out on Bandcamp. And one of the songs I called Silver Mountains, and it's for David Berman. And it's a two-minute song that's basically about this sense of, you know, you know, people all around dying, got no tears for crying. And then I reference, we've got a big uh, Mark Marin fan here. Um, Mark Marin, there's a line in the song I wrote, that is um, referencing Mark Maron, because I don't listen to Mark Maron as much as Steve, but after <laughs> David Berman's death, Mark Maron's intro, he, he went on about, hey, this guy just passed away. We had just been communicating through email last week. He was saying, yes, he wants to come on the podcast, but he needs to take a break for a little psychic adjustment, so we're going to get together in 2020. And that's one, of the, that's one of the lines in the song that I wrote about that. Um, anyway, pretty dark, pretty heavy, um, Side note, if anyone out there is struggling with, with these kinds of things and thoughts, it, you know, there is absolutely ways for life to become better and to be worth living. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, don't lose hope. Reach out. Talk to people. Um, so, this is, this is a David Berman song from Purple Mountains. The name of the, the song that I want to share is Nights That Won't Happen. Uh, so pretty heavy, you know, and, and he has this sardonic, ironic quality that that matches this bittersweet. But this this one's this one's pretty um, poignant considering uh, what 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 happened.
with each other again Just one more one more verse Just old houses dreaming people in the night Have no doubt about it, hun, the dead will do alright Go contemplate the evidence, I guarantee you'll find The dead know what they're doing when they leave this world behind Nights that won't happen I should probably apologize for for playing. I mean, this is heavy stuff, and I disagree with him that that you know the dead know what they're doing in terms of that like that that's better than than this, you know. And you know, we have the saying in, in the kind of therapy I do that when people are feeling suicidal, like their lives are unbearable as as they're being lived, right? Like it doesn't help to to say, well, that doesn't make sense. Like it makes sense from their frame of view, and you know. Let's figure out how to how to make life bearable and how to have a life we're living. Um, but but that song impacted me and and you know I've, I have like I said myself and colleagues have less we have lost clients and it's a weird thing being a therapist where you're you're spending time and you're helping things and sometimes it's a huge meaningful boost when people are telling you that you saved my life and like life's been better than it's ever been and that's usually what's happening. But then every once in a while, you you know, you've been with someone, you've met with them for hour, you know, many many hours over the course of a year or two, and then they they don't make it, you know, and um, it's you know, uh, it's intense, and it's sad, and you you're aware of the suffering of their family, and of other people, and the hopelessness, and all these things, um, and and music like this can be very, very actually healing for people at times. Sometimes it's way too dark and way too hard, uh, but a lot of times I fi- I've found in my career that le- uh, going towards some of this heavy stuff has actually been like a release valve for me to like help me to like go to work and and do it. It doesn't keep me in the heavy. It actually like somehow lets it like a some sort of a release, right? So anyway, heavy stuff. Um, there's other songs on here that actually sing are funny and light but the but then you hear the words and you're like oh crap like that's not very light but but there but he's got a lot of humor so that's that's my uh, david berman pick uh, we don't need what, to what's yeah. his, the line in there about suffering's going to be done by the ones left behind mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a it's a great a album and it's cer- the context of it certainly changed after he past yeah like i i because I, I had a similar experience where i remember the album when it was released and then you start to examine everything kind of posthumously again right and it's uh and you start to i think read more yeah. clearly into the into the lyrics but right awesome album yeah. i had forgotten i I didn't even have him on my list, but that was definitely one uh, that that impacted me as well. That kind of made me pause and and take into account his life and his art. In fact, uh, his book of poetry, Actual Air, is my old copy of that. Is still, I think it's the only book I have sitting on my nightstand mm. currently. So that's a great choice. Yeah, 
All right, my turn. Yep. Okay. Um, I uh, mine will probably alter the tone slightly. Um, I wanted to pick something that surprised myself, and so I was like going through my my brain and trying to connect with or, or find a memory of an artist that it surprised me how much their passing impacted me. And the artist that I came up with is John Prine, um, kind of a, a classic mm-hmm. country mm-hmm. artist. He was a really interesting figure in country music. He was an incredible, like top, top tier songwriter. A lot of his songs are funny seeming, funny sounding. Um, he could also write really beautiful songs as well. Very respected, kind of like an artist artist. Um, he wasn't uh, a big hits guy per se, but um, a lot of I think a lot of artists would list him as really influential to them. And um, he had been a, an artist that was important to me, um, you know, for the the last. 20 plus years he died of coronavirus during uh the mid mid pandemic and um when he passed i just remember feeling like this kind of surprising emptiness and i remember sitting there going why is this impacting me so much and i think it's because i felt like what he did and the voice that he brought particularly in a in a medium that or, or in a genre that traditionally leans you know a certain way politically he was this interesting kind of rebel that was willing to um kind of i guess call out bullshit where he saw it very openly and i felt like he did it in such a, a credible and an authentic way i think that's part of what made me feel he was in his 70s he was older um so you know, perhaps not a completely surprising, surprising death given his age, but I think just knowing that that voice, that personality, would no longer be able to to speak through art or just in general um, made me feel this this sense of loss. It was like this is a this is an important voice that's no longer with us. Um, so I'm going to have you play one of his kind of maybe funnier songs, but it's also pretty direct striking commentary on kind of um, obnoxious patriotism and false <laughs> invocation of, of Jesus. It's a kind of a, a cool song in that regard. It's a great, um, a great title. It's uh, John Prine, your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. Your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. <laughs> I think rele- I'm guessing released in the 70s, early to mid 70s. So he was giving commentary on a lot of the things that have become really poignant in the last 10 years. He was very anti-Vietnam. Very he served in Vietnam uh, in the military. He was against the war efforts there, anti-Iraq war. He's been a, a really kind of strong, strong voice for for humanity. <laughs> oh man for the record i feel the, record. the humanity the humanity marky mark is still very much alive <laughs> did he die in the departed maybe that's what that maybe that's what dirt diggler's do you think dirt diggler's still alive 
Uh, I, we needed this yeah. to lighten the mood yeah. after my pick. We needed this. Post Jordan's pick. We yeah. just had to kind of. You know, thanks, Jason, for taking one for the team. He couldn't yeah. do it after my pick. Wow. He, had to, he had to wait for you. Oh, can you imagine after Jordan's setup if you would have played that? <laughs> All right. Oh, that was Go ahead. In the back of the dirty bookstore, a plastic flag with gum on the back fell out on the floor. Well, I picked it up and I ran outside Slapped it on my window shield And if I could see old Betsy Ross I'd tell her how good I feel But your flag cow won't get you Into heaven anymore They're already overcrowded From your dirty little war Now Jesus don't like killing no matter what the reason's for And your flag cow won't get you Into heaven anymore Well, I went to the bank this morning And the cashier said to me If you join the Christmas club We'll give you ten of them flags for free well, I didn't mess around a bit I took him up on what he said And I stuck them stickers all over my car And one on my wife's forehead But your flag cow won't get you Into heaven anymore They're already overcrowded From your dirty little war Now Jesus don't like killing No matter what the and your flag cow won't get you into heaven anymore. All right, you can kill it. So he released that in 1971. Um, he had strong sentiments then, and uh, and then they, you know, it continued to be poignant as as uh, you know, over and over, patriotism becomes a, a an excuse for. Strange and, and bad behavior, and uh, to do that in that genre, I think is even extra brave. It, he, to me, he was channeling kind of this continued spirit of Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan, and you know, the I've already expressed my affection for protest songs, but for me, I think the the sense of loss I felt was, oh no, who who's doing we, it? We now? just yeah, who's going to mm-hmm. do this now? We just lost this this voice. Um, yeah. that, that was willing to willing to do this and uh anyway mm. one of those that uh that it surprised me the the impact that it had on me john prine get familiar with him cool all right you ready for another round let's, let's do, do it. it let's do it i'm i'm Steven, hoping i'm Steven, more prepared are you ready for this one i think so all right is this the second one yeah, yeah. second uh <laughs> second prompt a song that uniquely transforms or takes you back to a specific time or place you don't have to share the place if you don't want, um, but uh, but at least share the song. Uh, let's go. Let's just keep an order. We'll go Brandon, Steve, Jordan, me. A unique time and place. Okay. Or a specific time or place. Right, right. Uh, all right. This this is going to be more just waxing nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. As it should. And yeah. uh, on the this is taking me back to junior high, uh, specifically... 1989 I was in seventh grade um, I was reading my first 
Stephen King novel. Uh, Christine. That was the one I started with. <laughs> I'd seen seen other kids and and some parents with these huge Stephen King books, and I was in in the mood for something scary. I guess I'm like, oh, I'm going to try that. So I got uh, checked Christine out from the library, and also um, Eurasia's new album, Wild, had just come out, and so I bought the cassette tape of that, and I just listened to that thing on my uh, had had my little uh, tape deck right there by my bed, have my headphones on. And I'd lay there listening to that tape and reading Christine at the same time and just kept flip, <laughs> flipping the tape over back and forth. And I don't, I don't remember listening. I never bought it on CD. You know, by the time I was buying CDs, I was pretty much done with Eurasia. Um, so the, uh, that's pretty much the only association I have. I, I hear any song from this album and I just get flashbacks of a car trying to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> a demon car that's perfect. That's take, come alive. Take, a, take us there. Love so it. here, here we go. This is the song "Star" by Erasure. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the first thing that comes to mind when you hear this is oh, someone's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> probably enough of that you know what i love about it though you were doing i think what a lot of us were doing you were you found like your little your little chamber your lair your um what was it where superman was his uh solitude the fort you had your fortress of solitude i did where you were consuming culture and those were like two key pieces of culture that you felt as a young impressionable person you impressionable person you needed to consume you were doing it simultaneously and now it transports you back. I love yeah. it. It's perfect. Yeah. Now the two the two are bound together. And if if you guys want a good laugh, look up the this album, the the album cover. It's uh, <laughs> it'll give you a chuckle. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Nice. All right, top that, Steve. Oh boy, it, Steve. I I won't. I probably won't top it. But yeah, I mean, I love this. To- this topic could be a whole season i mean music and memory and just kind of riffing and going around the around the room again and again to pick songs that take us back to a specific place in time because i think you know music as as much as anything else maybe maybe food sometimes right you know you you there, there are certain tastes or smells that from food that will just transport you to a specific time and place but i think music it does that too? Um, the, for some strange reason, the 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 song and thing I thought of immediately with this second prompt was the Joe Jackson album "Night and Day," which is kind of a strange pick for me, Joe Jackson. So when I, you know when I'm a, a young man, just kind of 
discovering my own musical taste in the early 80s and kind of like veering towards new wave and and everything so i i was hearing on some of the alternative radio stations and stuff you know look sharp and stuff from that joe jackson album which is a great album and kind of lumped in with like early elvis costello and other of these like you know british groups that were kind of new wave or just kind of different different rock and then another album of joe jackson's that had a huge impact on me was jump and jive uh um that was kind of like you know a a precursor to uh Brian Setzer, you know, jump, jive, and whale, and and his kind of revival. But he's doing all these Louis jo- Jordan, Louis Prima songs, this kind of jump swing songs, but you know, with this British band, you know, of, but but reviving and introducing me to all these these songs. Um, Jib, jab, jib, jib, jump and jive, you know, that kind of thing. Or, or what's the use of getting sober when you gotta get drunk again? You know, all these, these great roots kind of songs, but like told through these white British guys, you know, but, but I, I didn't know that earlier stuff. And I, since he was kind of in this British new way vein, I, I got introduced to all this stuff. But then, so, Night and Day is the first LP I purchased for myself. And again, it's it's kind of a strange pick. There probably would have been others that were I would have liked better, but you know, the the hit the big hit off that album is uh, Stepping Out, which is kind of a funny great song. Yeah, yeah, it's a good song. And this this album is pretty cool and its concept, you know, you know, nod to the LP. It, the the album name is Night and Day, and it's got a night side and a day side. So it really takes advantage of that. Okay, here's one side, and then you flip it over, and there's the other side. And e- all the songs on each track just kind of flow into one another. So obviously, for the radio cuts or whatever, they do a fade in and fade out. But on the album, it's just like a continuous side. Um, but and and in our home. 2336 East Glen Cove Circle, Mesa, Arizona. Uh, the, the house I, I mostly grew up in and, and lived in until I graduated from high school. Uh, we had created this upper room at a certain point that wasn't an original part of the house, but it was a kind of add-on uh, that you you got to via a spiral staircase. It was the only room that was, that was on the second story. We had a basement and a main floor, but this was the only room then. So the second story, and it was kind of this unique room that was, was mainly created as a kind of gallery for my mom's painting, which was, which was kind of cool. And it had wood floors, but wood paneling on the walls. It was kind of like one of those, you know, smelled of leather and, you know, whatever had, had, (laughs) had, had volumes of encyclopedias and stuff like that. So this kind of like, but, at a certain point, we Ron had a, burgundy. We had a, this, yes, did this exactly. Your fortress of solitude. This was, in a way, my fortress of solitude. I just have memories of going up there to listen to LPs. I think we had a nicer stereo up there. I think I had like Jordan. You were talking about the the record player Eli had, you know, <laughs> Sonny, the, yeah. or no, Sonny, yeah, yeah. that that you you questioned its quality and everything. And I had one of those type of things in my room, but then there was a nicer one up in this little room. And so I just remember listening to this album up in that room and, you know, reading the liner notes, looking at the pictures, which showed all the musicians and blah, blah, blah. The, the song that I want to hear is uh, Another World, which, uh, you know, Joe Jackson put him in the vein of like, you know, 
Elton John or Billy Joel or whatever, you know, singer, singer, songwriter who plays piano and has really decent chops. I don't, you'll hear some of those chops in this tune. And this tune doesn't quite have all the chord progressions and changes that, that some of his songs do. It's, it's, it's a little more simplistic, but I think you'll hear his piano chops coming in. Some marimba in there, yeah. I think, yeah, marimba, maybe even xylophone. It's pretty high. It's nice, yeah. Kind of, kind of. I don't know, calypso world music, kind of auxiliary percussion vibe in there. <laughs> That's a great pick. I don't know. It's a weird Love pick. It. It's a weird it. pick. I but I just, it just it. takes it's me back to pick. that to that room and that moment, and just like I want to listen to more Joe uh, Jackson. He's he's Joe good. Jackson's good. He's yeah. he's good. Great. Underrated. Yeah, I think so. Great musician. Great. Yeah. All right, Jordan, all right. where are you taking us? So I really, you know, had been thinking about all the all the artists we lost and stuff and was doing that. And so when I came to the second prompt, I kind of combined the first with the second and because I was thinking of MCA from Beastie Boys. And I was thinking of when I first started getting into that and where I was, and the memory came it hit me hard and it actually involved a friend of mine from school who also passed away. So, you know, Jason will get some of these references. Brandon might as well. Steve and other non-Provo High people might not as much. But Mr. Poulter's photography class, I think it was photo two or whatever, advanced photo, I don't know. And I developed a, a friendship with a kid that was kind of an unlikely friendship. He was kind of, you know, there's in Provo, there's not such a, there's not a ghetto, but there is kind of an east-west divide. And even beyond that, there's like, Grandview Hill, Oak Hills, and then if you don't live on one of the hills, there's that kind of a divide. So this friend was Kenneth McCorston. Um, he passed away of cancer about, I don't know, 20 years ago. Yep. Um, Out in California. Pr- pretty young, yeah. So we developed this friendship, and I was kind of a, a goody-goody kid with just my friends in the Oak Hills. I didn't swear or anything, and Ke- Kenneth was dropping F-bombs, and he knew kids who were dealing pot, and maybe he was doing that himself. I, d- I don't know, but... But he, we, for some reason, he loved, like, we loved, you know, like, going to lunch together at Pete's Lunch and hanging out. We developed this friendship, and we both loved Beastie Boys, right? I was not into hip-hop as much, but it was like Beastie Boys I loved. He loved all the hip-hop, but he also loved Beastie Boys. So, I want to play um, Root Down from Ill Communication, and MCA's verse, MCA, the one of the three of the trio of Beastie Boys, passed away as well, and he's got a verse in here where he talks about Utah. 
and snowboarding in Utah. Um, anyway, Root Down by the Beastie Boys makes me think of Kenneth McCorston, makes me think of Mr. Poulter's class from Provo High. comes MCA. And of course, this song, uh, this song connects us to one of the most infamous uh, pulling a Jordan that ever happened, <laughs> which was in our jazz episode when I played the Jimmy Smith root down song. And then I was like, actually, I'm going to vote that one off myself so I can play another one. Right. So they sampled Jimmy Smith here. But anyway, love that. Beastie Boys makes me think of multiple friends, in- including Kenneth, who passed away um, very young, and MCA, who passed away before his time seemingly fun note on on kenny mccorris and rest in peace um there's a there i don't know if it's still there but there's a restaurant on the beach so he moved out to california he was surfing out there uh, when he had cancer and um i can't remember if it's him or a friend of his broke into this kind of abandoned area and, and graffitied a message about about cancer and kenny and um the, the the building that that graffiti was in ended up getting turned into a restaurant and the people that created the restaurant were really touched even though it was vandalism they're really touched by this this wall mural they kept it there i don't know if it's still there but they kept it there for years after it was a kind of this cool tribute that was there that's awesome and that's this, great uh, this little beach restaurant in uh in california to kenny that's amazing uh all right i'm uh third round like, this is your this is your second. I, I've never. Uh, I I could tell that he said something about Utah in that song. Yeah. But I've never looked up the lyrics until now. I'm like, what is it that he's? Do actually you want to read saying? it to us? Yeah. It's it says, fun. It's fun. When the snow has fallen, then I am gone. Oh we. Mm-hmm. That must be one of the oh, other. Oh we. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might think that I'm a fanatic. A phone call from Utah, and I'm throwing a panic. Yep. I always <laughs> thought it was like. Full court from Utah. Like, what <laughs> yeah. does he talk about? Full, talking about so they the got they got into snowboarding in Utah <laughs> yeah. in the nineties and and yeah. Jimmy I mean, Smith is my man. I want to give him a pen. That's right. And there's a meters reference there, right? 
coming out something like fruit. I'm not coming out goofy they, like the Fruit of the Loom guys. Something strutting like the meters. Like yeah, the they Pi were Pi. so and because the meters have an album called Strutting. They yeah. they were so <laughs> dense with their. References. Their references, like was, De La Soul, yes. and they were in the same. Like you almost needed what, a. What song kind of is group? it that they reference? Fawn Brody, like Fawn Brody, Sure Shot, uh, Sure Shot, Sure yeah. Shot. That was Fawn the other one I Brody. was going <laughs> to. Is it really Fawn Brody that they? Yeah. Well, yeah. they. S- <laughs> <laughs> They've been reading No Man Knows My History. <laughs> Must have been. That was the other one I was going to reference because MCA has the famous line there where you know it's this kind of the growth right where you know he goes from. You know, all the misogyny of their early tour when they were, you know, to like, hey, the disrespect of women has got to be through. Uh-huh. So, anyway, <laughs> MCA. Oh, that's great. All right. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go to middle school as well. I think either the summer after seventh grade or the summer after eighth grade. Um, young Love uh, for, for me, for, for young Jason. Who was um, it? Uh, I'll, t- I'll stay off the air. Um, <laughs> there, so there was a girl that moved in um, kind of adjacent to my neighborhood. My neighborhood was very homogenous. People looked the same, thought the same, believed the same, talked the same. And this outsider, this outside girl moved in uh, from a different state, from a different, uh, different background. And um, she caught my eye. And uh, as usual in my life, I probably went about like trying to impress in all the wrong ways but i remember we started talking about music and we were talking about punk music and she was like she goes she said have you heard of this band she says this band's name and i never heard of them and she goes you gotta listen to it and she gave me a dubbed copy cassette tape copy of this album that became like the soundtrack of my summer that summer um it also became the soundtrack of me being in in love with this girl that really wasn't interested in in anything more than just being friends with me and uh but it ended up being a, an important band on an important band uh, record label that kind of sent me down this this great path that provided a lot of important bands so the album or the band is a, a band a southern california punk band kind of early pop punk called uh the descendants uh they were on sst records which opened me up to Black Flag, um, Husker Du, The Meat Puppets, uh, The Minutemen. Um, oh, anyway, the, this really, really critical punk, early punk label that kind of changed the game. And she gave me this dubbed copy of a live album by The Descendants called um, Liveage. L i v e a g e. It's uh, it's not the best live album, but it was so important to me. It takes me back to that summer. It takes me back to being in love, and it takes me back to falling in love with this band as much as I was falling in love with this girl. And um, a lot of these songs are kind of love songs. So the we'll take the most like on the nose one. Play um, play silly girl from uh from Liveage by the Descendants, and this will instantly transport me back. To Grandview Hill, that uh, that summer, I think either after seventh or eighth grade. Jumping in love and lust Cause you know I'm begging you 
you can kill it. It's a, it's a perfect tra- soundtrack for young adolescent love. It was a it was a, an album that had cursing on it, so I had to hide it from my parents. So there was like this element of danger. There was an element of danger around her, an element of danger around the music, and it just it just hit me right at the at the right moment. It instantly transports me back. I still actually like the album. I still like the band. Descendants are classic, and uh, long live SST Records. Go check out buy all the early SST albums. They're all great. Nice. Especially dig into the Minutemen, though. Hmm. I played them before on here. All right. <laughs> we, nice. Okay. Well, you got another round in us? And that's just prepping us for your punk episode that's going to be coming up in a few months, huh? Oh, ab- I'm ready. I'm ready to do it now. Punk and hardcore. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Brandon will join me. Sure. I'll be there. Uh, okay. All right. So I'm a huge fan of physical media. Vinyl, cassettes. Um CDs, I haven't, I've never thrown any of them away. Everything that I still have, or everything that I have, I, I still have. Right? My wife despises the, uh, the amount of space it takes up. So for me, physical media also kind of has the, the ability to transport. Um, sometimes it can be the smell, just like holding it in my hands, being able to see it, like thumb through liner notes or open up a gatefold album or unfold the notes in a cassette tape. Uh, what do they call a jewel case? And so I, I wanted you to, I asked you to think of a, an album that if you were handed a physical copy of it right now, it would trigger a strong memory. Like just holding it in your hand, where would that album, what, what album would that be? Play a song from it. Brandon, you got an album that, mm. that handling, being handed the physical copy of would instantly trigger a memory for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a few of them that I that I thought of. Um, one one would be one go boy goes dead man's party. Nice. That was that was the first. I think that was the first cassette tape that I ever bought myself. We were on a great choice, by the way. Yeah, we were on a a family trip to Park City, and we we're walking down the main street, and there was some music store there. And, and I was like, "Oh, let's go see." And I, I was just starting to branch out into music that um, my parents didn't listen to already. You know, I'd, I'd already bought some Chicago and some Genesis and some of that stuff, but uh, this this Oingo Boingo one was was a big step in in my own buying di- your direction. own first album yeah. was such like a rite of passage towards oh, yeah. just that, like growing up. Like I'm choosing my music now. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as like specific memories the this this is another fun one 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 that you guys might not be aware of um there for a few years in provo there was a a record store called sonic garden Mm -hmm. which uh i'm sure you guys remember was that the one adjacent to byu just to the east of it right yeah yeah Yeah, there's like the the mexican restaurant upstairs and mama's cafe was right nearby um so it was it was like also one of the only places you could go if you wanted to listen to music before you bought it like if if you went to media play or whatever and there was a new album you just had to buy it like you couldn't couldn't hear it beforehand uh but sonic garden even if it wasn't used if it was a new cd they'd still open it for you and you could sit there at the cd player and and listen to it and you could be like, "Oh, it's not for me," or you, or you could go ahead and buy it. Um, so there, there's a band called Lush. They're on the 4AD label. 
um, maybe kind of a little bit in the in the shoegaze realm, but maybe slightly poppier or more rock and I don't know. Um, but they they had an album called Split that came out, and I couldn't afford it at the time. You know, I had to save up my my extra lunch money for two weeks in order to, to buy a CD. So sometimes a month, I think it was fifty cents a day. I could say <laughs> if, if I only bought the bag of bread, it sounds easy. <laughs> my mom gave me a dollar fifty. Bag of bread's a dollar. That's fifty cents a day I'd made. <laughs> so I was saving up to buy this album, but a couple times a week. I'd go into Sonic Garden and I'd sit there on the stool and listen to it. And this this opening track re- really caught me. And I was like, oh, I can't wait till I have 15 bucks and I can buy this. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is called Light from a Dead Star by, by Lush. This is 1994, you know, I recently had my driver's license so I could go to Sonic Garden on my own. And you were just to, counting down yeah, the days till you could get that album. Sheepishly go up to the counter again with the, the CD. Can I listen to this again? <laughs> or did you just hear yesterday? It's a, you know, these days I, I'm sure kids, uh, kids can't relate to that. If there's something you want to listen to, you, you pull it up. Boom, there it is. There's so my, no my immediate memory media. of Sonic Garden was when uh, when Pearl Jam's second album uh, came out. Oh, yeah. Versus. I was there, too. Yeah. So they had like a midnight, the midnight listening release. party. I had to sneak out. I climbed out my bedroom window <laughs> on my next-door neighbor, Brian Steer. He had sneaked out of his house, and he had a he got his mom's car keys, and he drove us over <laughs> to Sonic Garden so that we could be there for the midnight. Uh, and I bought I the it. album, and I got home, and I listened to it, and I hated it. And I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Yep. Fantastic. That's yeah. awesome. All right, well, Steve. yeah, Brandon kind of included some foreshadowing there because I, I, one of the bands I immediately went to is Oingo Boingo and their uh, first EP, which, so there, there's a four song EP that they kind of self produced and were kind of using as a promotional uh, disc that was 10 inch vinyl. 
And then when they got picked up by IRS Records, I think they re-released it, but kept that same format. And I just, I have such a strong memory of seeing it and and being in my friend John's basement. My my friend and neighbor John Turley, his older brother Tom was like one of the cool older siblings. And, you know, you've talked about your cousin Tim and you guys have both talked about, you know, friends or in the neighborhood, those those older friends or whatever, older siblings in my, you know, in my case, I was the oldest kid in my family, so I kind of was looking to older siblings of friends, kind of that that cooler older group that was showing us the the way to go. But my friend John, we we spent hours just hanging out in his basement. Uh, but and, and sometimes that included listening to music. So I just totally remember that Oingo Boingo is one of those first bands that I that I dubbed music from my friend on tape from, and started loving and realizing wow you can have your own taste in music and it might be music you don't hear on the radio you you go to the store and you buy these things called you know buy records or cassettes or whatever so uh yeah that first ep it's got it's it's got some really fun illustration and had this cat on the cover like a like an electric looking cat yeah. and kind of stylized font for the oingo boingo and um course there's a there's a funky cover of an older song violent love on there that of course felt very subversive for like a a young a young person (laughs) but the 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 tune i'm gonna suggest we listen to is ain't this the life first first tune on side two of this initial ep we're hearing the ska roots on this one Penthouse high, our states are rare and our martinis dry. Folks below the say it ain't there. Who is them? I really don't care. Try to be one of me, ain't this the life? Having a party on a big jet plane, I got so drunk that I can feel no pain. Hanging out in the bulgo, drinking rum and sniffing cocoa. Everything's alright, good for men and wife Ain't this the life? baby. (laughs) Just kind of sounds like 1980 LA, doesn't it? I mean, you kind of hear lots of influences. Yeah, Yeah. that's the angular. It makes me think of some of that Devo stuff we've listened to. Yeah. Angular, kind of funky, new wave ska weirdness. Yes. Cool. All right. So I am, uh, you have four prompts total. The fourth one was kind of optional. Optional. And so I'm just combining the third and fourth into one song because I'm actually going to have to take my leave in just a moment. I've talked a lot this episode, so I realize that might not be 
that might be okay. It might be fitting. I'll do a George Costanza. <laughs> but but I love this prompt. Costanza. There you go. I, I love this prompt. I love the physical media. I was thinking about it. I'm like, I have memories with tapes, with with vinyl, with CD. Like there is such a, you know, the physical and, and memory and music, which, you know, you mentioned uh, Mike Hicks's thing. And, you know, one of the big parts of memory is emotion. And of course, music in that, in that thing, he talks about the emotion, right? And like, so um, anyway, thinking about this, my mind really quickly went to this, um, the device that we would listen to it on, which was a Panasonic Discman in Adam Murray's car. Adam had, and this is 1994, 95, 96, he had this Jeep Cherokee that, you know, his, his dad had gotten, and it basically it was his to drive around. We'd go everywhere in that thing. So I was always in the passenger seat. I always had the disc man and I had two fat case logics of just <laughs> CDs full. You know, we had, we had all the, you know, uh, grunge stuff in there. We had all our classic rock that we liked. Hip hop was starting to come in, alternative music, you know. So there was a lot of genres. I had the jazz stuff I was listening to. We were kind of getting into the ska a little bit. And then the funk stuff started taking over. Um, so, but that yellow, it's a yellow Panasonic Discman with these gray little clamps that you'd clap over and just the feeling of taking the disc out of that sleeve and then you push it down and it snaps onto the thing and then you come and you click it down and with, Adam with skip protection. Yeah. And so, right. Skip <laughs> protection was on Eight seconds of skip protection. <laughs> exactly. And Adam, right. Adam, sometimes he'd request stuff, yes. but most of the time he was just like, do it, man. I, I trust you. And so Spin I would just it. put it on and he wouldn't know. And then he'd be like, Oh yeah, that was the perfect. And I just felt like I was this DJ that for us, for our friendship. And it was just like, what do we need right now? Is it high energy? Is it low? <laughs> so the one I'm thinking of right now is uh, from the album, from the, the band, The Crash Test Dummies. Oh, and this is why yeah. this makes me think of Adam, because he's got this, everyone in here knows him. Some of our listeners might know him. He lives 100 feet away from where we're sitting right now. Um, he's got this really deep voice. So he could, as a 16-year-old, he could do the Crash Test Dummies guy's voice. <laughs> right? This oh, was just, wow. we, had, we were low. just, you know, on the other end of puberty, but his puberty went all the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> deep, he goes to 11. He excelled in his pubescence. He excelled the voice. So he would uh, sing all these songs and he could hit it. And so, well, do you know, there's the classic, you know, some people might think of the Crash Test Dummies as a one-hit wonder because they had this one song that was on. So we could do the, the mm song, or if you'd like, we could do God Shuffled His Feet, which would be a, a little lesser known. They're both great. I'm up, Brandon, you go ahead and choose whatever, whichever one you want to do. Let's do the, the lesser known then. Sounds good. Just imagine Adam just in full Mare mode singing this out. Gathered up some people. Look how heavy Brandon is. Sip their wine And what with God There they asked him questions Like do you have to eat Or get your hair cut In heaven 
I just love picturing you and Adam driving around. <laughs> Listening to this? <laughs> him, him just belting this out. Yeah, totally. It was either in his car or in one of our houses playing ping pong. Right? This is this is what our life was, you know. It was Weezer, it was back, red hot chili peppers. Uh, you know, Stan Getz would get thrown in there somehow and Dave Brubeck would be in there and then For oh, for me funny. the uh, yeah. Analogous memory is me and Brian Watts's car. Yeah, yeah. Do, doing the same thing. I was the DJ. He had the the giant the uh, case logics. Case logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our one of our favorites was um, Beck. His, oh yeah. I think it, it was like a maybe it was the single for um, for loser for loser. Uh, the B side to that. At least I think that's where it's from. Called Fume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About. Like huffing nitrous oxide. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, there's yeah. a fume in this truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we had oh. a lot of Beck on there. We had it was it was great, oh, great That's times. Fantastic. Yeah, and the yeah, I texted Adam as we were sitting here before my turn. I said, "Was it a Panasonic? Was it a Yamaha?" And he sent me right back right away, Panasonic. And he sent me a picture of it, <laughs> same exact one. And I just texted it to you yeah, guys. Yeah, I just so. saw that you texted it back. No, to I, us. we we went on road trips. We went to California, in the, doing you know in this DJ stuff. We went up to uh, Wyoming and went to the Tetons with his family. But him and I driving. Interesting story there. He got two tickets within th- speeding tickets within thirty minutes of each other. One on the Idaho side, one on the Wyoming side. Literally within thirty minutes in two different states, two speeding tickets. Which amazing, is amazing. <laughs> Great choice. Uh, anyway, thanks guys. I've got a I've got a split to take my son you, somewhere. But thank you. But for, before you leave yeah, yeah. and before we get into to your pick, Jason. Doom. This is on now. What do you got? Uh, this is tying into this idea of physical media. Uh, this is a headline from thehardtimes.net. <laughs> Millennial audiophile prefers warm, crisp sound of music downloaded from wi- LimeWire. <laughs> local, local 34-year-old audiophile Jacob Masterson revealed that he prefers the warm and crisp sound of music exclusively downloaded from <laughs> LimeWire. <laughs> the quality you get on this peer-to-peer file-sharing application is second to none, said Mastinson, before stating that burned CDs offer the second-best sound. <laughs> Just today I was listening to a song I downloaded called Mr. Brightside by the band Interpol. <laughs> oh my uh, on my $35 refurbished computer speakers, and I simply could not get over the quality the warmth, the brightness, the way it cut off 90 seconds into the song, seemingly out of nowhere. It's the only way to truly experience music in this day and age. These kids today simply don't have an appreciation for it. Neither does anyone older than me, for that matter. <laughs> well, yeah, Dude, they're, 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 their satire side. hits they're good. so close to home that it, uh, that it, it hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had a, uh, I think I've mentioned on here before, I was a, I was a bad uh, music pirate and uh, a friend of mine that was, uh, that kind of got me into stealing music, digital music. He and I had a, a server that had like 20 gigs of music on it that we just were constantly pulling off of LimeWire. Lime, I got so much music <laughs> through LimeWire. <laughs> oh, great That's job, Jordan. Lime Thank wire. you. Did you have Mr. Brightside by Inter- Interpol? <laughs> Probably. I'm sure. At least the first 30 or 90 seconds of it. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll I'd love it. to hear the Interpol version. I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard that version. I'll, uh, I, so I brought mine. Yeah. I, I brought my, uh, my, my piece of, of physical <coughs> media. Um, oh, boy. Visual aids. Junior, junior high. Again. Okay. No, this was sixth grade. This is elementary yeah. school. And um, here. Faith no more. The real thing. Yeah, I've oh, mentioned. Uh, I've still mentioned. Got it. I've mentioned Mike Patton's importance to me. I was introduced to them in a, I think sixth grade by Dwayne Henderson and this um, this album and and then subsequently their whole the whole Mike Patton era of their library became such an important soundtrack. I'm gonna have you pick the heaviest song on this album. This was like my foray into metal. And what a way to get into it. And this made me feel so scared and so badass. And I was so worried, like, my dad would hear me listening to it. Um, everything about the album, like the Slash Records icon on it, the blue um, background on the actual cassette tape that I have here. This is also one of the rare albums that I've bought over the years in every format. I, I bought it. I've bought it on vinyl three times. I bought it. <laughs> Went through at Three least times. two cassettes, yes. Um, and I bought it, and I have I bought it on CD. Back up. Um, wow. Well, I, I had the, an original on vinyl in the 90s when I was kind of collecting both, and then I've since bought a... Remastered? Rema yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's a whole thing. I got a problem. Uh, you're you're going to play... Um, it's a, it's a, a sweet, sweet, beautiful, lovely track. I'm going to have you play Surprise You're Dead by uh, Faith No More from The Real Thing. You can kill it. It immediately takes me back to doing my paper out. I th this was like <laughs> one of my early points, stepping into selecting my own music, similar to what you said, and it felt like so grown up, so rebellious, and uh, it. Uh, I think I listened to it every day, slinging papers, slinging Daily Herald papers uh, from my paper bag through the, the cassette uh, into my sports Walkman. <laughs> And uh, cassette Walkman, and, and away I went. Just immediately, you hand me that. That takes me back to a very, a very specific moment. I never owned the, the, this album, but I rem remember seeing them perform on Saturday Night Live. And that was that was an eye opener. Was that the one where he had like a? It was like a the arm of a doll connected to the. <laughs> 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 
front of his pants. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> Mike, 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 oh, Mike, Mike, hmm. Mike Patton <laughs> was a was a creative a, a creative artist. He's he's actually incredible, but he uh, he loves to uh, he loves to be a little bit grotesque. Mm-hmm. Still uh, still really prolific. Still doing stuff with Tomahawk with um, uh, Mr. Bungle. Still doing stuff, and then he still has his solo stuff. He recorded like. Oh, an album of Italian love songs. He's got a really good voice, <laughs> really versatile. He did a bunch of the voice work for the uh, some of the va- the the vampire monsters in I Am Legend too. He does uh, he does everything. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, here's what I'm thinking. Let's go last round, no context. I just want you to give the song. The prompt is a song that reminds you of another person in your life. No context, nothing about the person. I want you to just pick the song and then leave that up to us to, uh, to try to guess what type of person it might be that uh, that this song reminds you of. Deal? This is one that I hadn't thought of beforehand. Oh. Steve, you go first. <laughs> you want me to Zing. go? Do you want me to uh, go? Uh, no, Steve. I got one. Uh, Ruby Tuesday, Rolling Stones. Excellent. She would never say where she came from Yesterday don't matter if it's gone While the sun is bright Or in the darkest night No one knows comes and goes My sixth grade daughter has a friend named Ruby, and I played that in the car once when they it was just me and them, and I didn't say anything. I just played the song. Um, right over there. <laughs> no comment. Nothing. Huh? Nothing. <laughs> why, Dad, why are you playing this old music? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lo- I lo- yeah, I love that song. I won't, I won't say anything about who it reminds me of, but I love the chorus on that and the way, the way it ends. It's, still, I'm going to miss you. Kind of feels like it's ends short, you know. It's mm-hmm. kind of distinctive. Great okay, song. Brandon. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the song is "Dimension" by Wolf Mother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
if you want uh, a, a great example of thoroughly enjoyable, pretentious music journalism, read the Pitchfork review of the most recent Wolf Mother. <laughs> <laughs> there's, Wait, there's, pitch, is Pitchfork being pretentious in there? They're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my pick. Oh, I'm excited. So out of character. (laughs) Very out of character. Um, Here's my here's my pick for a song that reminds me of somebody else. uh, That immediately reminds me of somebody else. Uh, Party in the USA, Miley Cyrus. Probably already got it queued up, Brandon. It was. I was going to play this no matter what you would pick. That's what I thought. With a dream, my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame, access. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the camp, here I am for the first time. Look to my right, and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. My tummy's turning, and I'm feeling kinda homesick. Too much pressure, and I'm nervous. That's when the taxi man turned on the radio. And a Jay Z song was on. And a Jay Z song was on. And the Jay-Z song was alright So I put my hands up to play my song The butterflies fly away Nodding my head like yeah Moving my hips like yeah Got my hands up to play my song We know I'm gonna be okay Yeah It's a party in the USA Yeah It's a party in the USA Get to the club in my taxi Everybody's looking at me now. All right, you can shut it down. <laughs> Just don't want to stop it. <laughs> oh man, a banger! So good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think uh, I think we've we've said plenty. Um, thank you, those that are still listening, <laughs> for letting us for letting us uh, self indulge in uh, in memory and music. I I'm endlessly fascinated by this. By this topic, um, it's it's so interesting to me the physical response we can have to stuff. It's so interesting how um, it can just transport us to to a different time, a different place, um, a car, a basement, our our, our whatever our so- fortress of solitude is. And uh, I love it. I think it's one of the things that just has makes this constantly so connected uh to to me and to my life um and so thank you guys what are your uh, parting thoughts on on this exercise uh it was fun to fun to hear all this <laughs> stuff fun to journey back into the past <laughs> and uh see see what uh stood out to you guys and yeah, I'm always uh, I always love uh the 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 surprise the surprise picks you guys give me so well, I'm gonna have to dive into more Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a deep dive next, Joe next time. Joe Jackson's so good. Oh, he's so good. He says, I mean, I think he 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 does a lot of uh, like in the style of or der- you know derivative, like decidedly derivative. Like, okay, I'm gonna do this thing, and maybe because of that, his originality gets overlooked, or maybe he just kind of says, well, okay, he's doing that thing. But whatever he does, he just nails it you know <laughs> yep. i think and 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 his original stuff is great too you know his songwriting and everything so yeah, even, anyway even like a popular song like <clears throat> stepping out is um 
I, it's like a top tier. It's an incredible song. Yeah. He wrote a song that Anthrax covered. He wrote, <laughs> he did um, Time. Time, time, got the time, tick, tick, ticking in my head time. Anthrax covered that on Persistence <laughs> Time. That's a Joe Jackson song. Uh-huh. Um, weird, weird, uh, broad influence. Oh, the other yeah. thing that was notable to yeah. me that I'm, I'm so intrigued by, I'm, I'm curious why this seems to be, it, it's got to have something to do with like, 80s and 90s LDS culture. I don't know if this was just like a staple at church dances or what, but one of the the pieces of physical media that um, I had on my short list was Only a Lab by Oingo Boingo. Like yeah. three, three of us had a Boingo album <laughs> on our list, which I'm so intrigued by yeah. um, because we do cover like overlapping adjacent generations, but I'm, I'm so intrigued how that would be such a consistent piece for uh, for all of us as well, other yeah. than than maybe maybe somehow that was one of those yeah. like permissible rock bands within <laughs> LDS culture or something growing up, but somehow it was a, a consistent piece there. Yeah, we're I mean you know you guys grew up here in Utah. I was in Arizona, so the Southwest is certainly a component. I they just weren't as well known, you know, on the East or other places. I don't think, but they were pretty big here in the Southwest, and. Yeah, I don't know. They combine a lot of those, di- you know, a lot of different elements that were in the air. So maybe that's what, why. Well, and for us at least, maybe it was around the, also around the time we'd watched Weird Science. <laughs> Pro- probably, yeah, you know, yeah, probably. Kelly, Kelly LeBrock had an influence. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode will be a Kelly LeBrock uh, <laughs> tribute. Like, uh, yeah. I also like this song. I like. <laughs> Why do I like this song music, so much? <laughs> music, that, music that coincides with movie love interests. Perfect. <laughs> All right, take us out with weird signs. No. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody. Yeah. <laughs>